it's really an equity issue. It's really a choice issue. Like every time also people say like, well, the risks, okay, what are the risks? And let me decide if that risk is worth the benefits that I'm going to get also by doing this, both to my current quality of life and sanity, because it's really effective at solving the current symptoms, but also for my future health. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. In less than four minutes. In less than four minutes, we are going to tell you everything you need to know about how we've been misled about menopause. Go. We've been misled about menopause. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We had a great conversation uh, about perimenopause, menopause, and the hormone replacement therapy that you can do to alleviate all of these horrendous symptoms that women have been suffering with for ever. Needlessly suffering, we might add. Needlessly suffering, yeah. We learned from Monica Molinar, who is the co-founder of Alloy, <laughs> and also from the article that was published in the New York Times Magazine that kind of came out right at the same time that we were talking to Monica, just coincidentally. Um, oh, so good. Do you remember the, name, the title? Well, we talk about it. In the it's called We Have Been Misled About Menopause. It's by Susan Dominus. Go Campbell Whitman. And it's fascinating and infuriating all at the same time. I, in preparing for that conversation, I read that article. And if you look at it, it looks like a crazy person like took over my highlighter and went <laughs> bad shit. like every section and exclamation marks and stars because there is so much that we are only now learning about all the things that we've been like force fed information on in the last 30, 40 years as to yeah. why we have not been embracing hormone therapy. And guess what? That was some bullshit. It was some bullshit. You go to myalloy.com to learn more, but it's really fascinating. God, I can't wait for menopause so I can try all these fun hormones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily, Zoe, you don't have to wait till menopause. You can start with your perimenopausal symptoms right now. That was a hard one to say. No, that was hard. It didn't tumble out so nicely as it did in my brain. Well, I'm an explorer. Uh, she was a wealth of information. She, she has so much great knowledge, so much and some great information. funny stories. Some funny stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, incontinence is funny. How can it not be? Oh right, yeah, incontinence. <laughs> I don't know how I dodged that bullet. Okay, enough about me and my bladder. Well, listen, it's gonna be. It's a good one. Hey, co-founders of Earth and Star here. Real quick, what if we told you that your morning cup of coffee could deliver powerful immune support, keep dementia at bay, and help you sleep like a baby? Or that you could improve your gut health and reduce inflammation with a delicious daily gummy? You'd probably say we're full of shiitake. Mm-hmm. Well, it can. And as it turns out, all of these powerful health benefits are hiding right under our feet, literally, in the form of functional mushrooms, sometimes referred to as adaptogens. Adaptogens, they are fancy plants and fungi chock full of science-backed benefits to help your body restore 
defend, and perform every single day. Earth and Star is our line of super premium adaptogen infused goodies. Goodies. What do we got? We've got organic Mm. ground coffee in Mm. dark roast, hazelnut, even decaf for people like me. Um, And they're all boosted with a powerful dose of adaptogen extracts to give you the most delicious morning brew with zero crash, zero jitters, zero, zero for real. Mm, Talk to me. I like it. But is it actual coffee or that weird muddy tasting coffee replacement that you have to like mix and froth and then convince yourself it tastes good? Not like mud, you mean? No, no, because it's actual coffee. We just added in the extracts. So you get extracts for powerful focus, sustained energy, no anxiety, no big whoop. And if that's not your thing, we've also got dark chocolate bars. I mean, what? They're organic, 72% cacao with delicious flavors like mint, orange, sea salt, and all with no weird crap or additives. Most likely you have a daily chocolate habit anyway. So why not make it super delicious and functional while you're at it? Mm-hmm. And what's that? You still need an easier way to make this adaptogen habit stick? I see what you did there. I see done, where you're done. I know. Here's what I did. We've got gummies too. Get it? They stick. Um, nice. And we managed to pack a therapeutic dose into just two little vegan gummies. Two, two, not not four or six because come on, people, no grown-ass adult needs six gummies a day. <laughs> but if you do, no judgments. No judgments. And no, Earth and Star products do not taste like mushrooms. We will legit give you your money back if you taste even the slightest hint of shroominess. Our products are just like the ones you are already consuming regularly. Real coffee, real chocolate, etc. They are just boosted with functionality to help you adapt every day. Adapt every day with all the stuff that comes our way. Oh my God, I just did a rhyme. That's good. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, so check us out at earthandstar.com and or follow us at earthandstarco. And if you want 15% off, you can use the code HTW on your first order. Do-do-do. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Yes, um, officially welcome Monica Molinar, co-founder of Alloy. Is that the full title? Yeah, Alloy Women's Health. Alloy Women's Health. Yeah, technically. Myalloy.com. Correct. Right. Thank you. But it's it's confusing because everybody calls it my, but that's our hand, that's our URL, but actually the company itself is called Alloy. Oh, they call it my alloy. I see. Yeah. But people are always like my alloy, but it's not my alloy. I mean, so we might want to think about changing our name, but (laughs) we haven't done that yet. (laughs) Um, Well, so full disclosure, we we know each other before we came together to have this conversation. And we talked about doing this interview a while ago. And now here we are actually able to do it. And the timing is so serendipitous because there's just been this enormous and amazing article in the New York Times Magazine this weekend on this whole topic around the menopause conversation and how it's not being had, um, including, you know, comments around alloy and people and, you know, stories about how people are using it. So I think for the purposes of this conversation, I mean, to be clear, like you are not the doctor and medical person at the organization. You're one of the founders of the business. So we can get I'm into the stuff. person who had the problem. Exactly. That's why I know that. We can get into <laughs> some the of the is. science yeah. 
Right. Um, but I feel like what's more important here, really, I mean, normally we have these pods where we're like, tell us why you started, but like the why of this is so unbelievably important. And like, if people uh, haven't read this article by Susan Dominus, who I actually went to camp with a million years ago. Oh, wait, that's so funny. Wait, Someone so else told me they went to camp with Susan Dominus. Then they went to Walt Whitman. <laughs> yeah. So the, what was the title of the article? Because it is... Women, wanted... have been mis- women have been misled about menopause. Right. Pretty yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty incredible article. Came out February first. The information is so like unbelievably compelling and mind blowing. And I want to talk through because I know that like everything in this article is exactly the reason why you guys decided to do this going back a yeah. few years now. Stories about I mean, one of the quotes that I pulled out was like, menopause has the worst PR campaign in the history of the universe because it's mm-hmm. not just hot flashes and night sweats. And like that's an amazing revelation for so many people. There are so many more people yeah. experiencing things. Well, and people recoil from the word menopause, but literally every single woman is going to go through menopause should she live so long to be lucky enough, you know, like you it, it's unavoidable. Not every woman will have a baby. Not every woman will do other things. And, you know, that we spend a lot of time focusing on, but literally every single woman will go through menopause. That's. It's half the planet and it's half the life of half the planet. I mean, it's yeah. like 40 to 50% exactly. of Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, we could live as long from this day forward as we've lived so far. And don't you want to do that? Like in the best health that you possibly can, in the best spirits that you could possibly be in, as engaged in life as you possibly could be? Like, why wouldn't you do that when you know that there's something that's been used for, for decades, generations to great success that, you know, because so... Because it has a PR problem. I do feel <laughs> like the PR is getting better. The name, I think menopause is still not could a good use, Could use some like, help, yeah. We need some help there. But all this to say, like... I think we need to spend some time really talking about like why you guys did this and how important it is in the context of the culture. I don't really generally throw around the word patriarchy. Like that's not really kind of my jam. I get it. But like in this case, I think it's so valid. So please tell us your story. Well, it's true. And it's funny, like part of what I love so much about doing what I'm doing right now is that I'm, I'm like, I've really become an activist. Like I'm so engaged in this topic and sort of fixing this because it's such a simple, we've, we've done it. Like we have the fix, we have the solution, we have the platform, like it's easy to get the information's now out there. And we just really need to spread the word because women will feel so much better if they treat them, you know, take care of themselves. So basically what happened to me is, um, when I was, well, my mother just, Start at the way beginning. I've been screened for I've been screened for breast cancer since I was 25 because my mother and grandmother both had breast cancer very young. My mother was 36 and 45, and my grandmother was I don't know where somewhere around that age. But basically, the protocol is you start getting screened 10 years before your mother's first incident. Typically, I did not have the BRCA test at that time because um, I didn't want to. Like there wasn't anything that I could do with the information except for feel anxious. And since I was doing all the screening that I could possibly do minus anything surgical, I just, um, you know, I, I didn't get the test, but I was treated essentially as if I had the BRCA gene, that's the breast cancer gene, um, which would have been passed down from my grandmother to my mother and to me. And then when I was 39, um, I already had two kids. They were small, um, like eight and seven. 
um, and, or eight and six. And um, Angelina Jolie wrote her op-ed about, um, you know, being BRCA positive and choosing to get a prophylactic mastectomy and an overectomy. I can't remember which order she did it in, but in any case, there were a lot, there was like a frenzy of articles and research coming out around her op-ed. And in one of those articles, I read the statistic that if you're if you're BRCA positive and you get your ovaries out by the time you're 40, that you further reduce your risk of breast cancer by 50%. And like that felt compelling. It's a non-cosmetic surgery. You know, you eliminate your risk of ovarian cancer and bring down your risk of breast cancer by such a dramatic, you know, rate. It's, you don't have to even stay overnight in the hospital. Like I thought, you know, I already have two kids. They're, they're already old. Like I didn't want a third child. So let me just do this. And, you know, I, I actually didn't expect how emotional it would be to make that decision. Once I did make the decision and know that I couldn't have more children was a really interesting, like mind fuck that I went, that I went down, but needless to say, I went ahead with it. And, um, you know, and, and like, it was really hard to get information during that time that really made sense. I'm a pretty analytical person. So is my husband, you know, he's like, a, has a master's in aerospace engineering. So to go to doctors and have them say like, we don't know, you know, as basically the main answer to everything, like, well, how do I know really, really what my risk is? Is there any way that I can change my risk with diet or lifestyle or exercise or anything? Like all this stuff was like a big who the hell knows? So I decided to go through with the with the surgery. But honestly, what literally nobody talked to me about, I mean, I don't think anybody, I, I, I don't even know how I knew that I would even go into menopause because literally nobody talked to me about it. So when I woke up the next day and all of a sudden I was like, hold on a second, <laughs> what just happened? You know, it was like, it was sort of a different story. And and also all of the interest in me up until that point to prevent my cancer was gone. Like now I couldn't get an appointment at Sloan Kettering. Just to clarify, just for the timeline. So you were 49 when you I was got 39. No, I was 39. Oh, sorry, you were 39 when yeah, you got about to be 40. Yeah. About to be 40. And then once you got them removed, it just instantaneously triggered menopause. Yeah. But nobody yeah. told you. So basically. But nobody really told me how to prepare for that. And essentially, so what menopause is, is a loss of estrogen. That is the only difference. Like menopause is, is defined as the 366th day after your last menstrual period. So basically it's like, we can only, we can only diagnose it or identify it retroactively because basically at that point, after you haven't menstruated for you know, a year and you're 53 years old, we can pretty definitively say like, it's not coming back. You're, you know, you're done. Your ovaries have stopped producing estrogen. And that is the thing, the only thing that starts causing this cascade of like aging, all the things that we associate with aging. That's, you know, your skin starts to lose elasticity and collagen. So you can sort of see it from the outside, you know, you get more wrinkled, um, you have worse sleep, your cognitive function might be worse, and you're, you may experience some brain fog. A lot of women complain of anxiety that just sort of comes on that they haven't been used to, or women who've had postpartum depression or blues are more inclined, more likely to get, you know, sort of hormonally induced depression during menopause or anxiety. 
Um, we've spoken to women who like literally had to stop working because they, they got too afraid to drive through tunnels or over bridges. And at a certain point when their husbands refused to keep driving them to work, what are they going to do? They, they weren't going to drive through the tunnel cause they were too anxious. So they, you know, like this one particular woman, like literally quit her job. And, and we hear that story over and over and over again. So, and it's, it's frustrating. Like there's been a lot of talk about, you know, menopause in the workplace and giving women menopause leave and all this stuff. And it's like, no, women should just treat their menopause symptoms and then they can actually keep working and be amazing. Like you, you be at the top of their game because now is the time that we have all of the experience, all of the contacts, the bigger networks that like, we're actually like really we're like weaponized, it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're like exactly. to do, it, to do yeah. all the things. And then totally. Just- and then we're just sort of like moved aside and, you know, and told like, oh, you should, you know, this isn't a pathology. You shouldn't treat it. It's a natural phase of life. You should right. just, you know, take it's some beautiful. herbs. And, just let yeah. it know, just like pause on that note for a second. Cause yeah. I think that, and I'm sure we'll cir- circle back to it, but you know, the fact that there is something that you can do about it, which we'll get into. Um, and you know, the, the group of people who say like, well, it's natural. It's like nature's ways is a part of your cycle. It's as natural as menstruating, right? Like all these things, but if you're suffering, it's a different story, right? So a lot of things are natural and a lot of things that are natural cause, I mean, you brush your teeth, right? Bad breath is natural. (laughs) Exactly. Like I went this morning about my, I do like immunotherapy for allergies because I suffer because I suffer. In the right. spring, and I was like, sure, it's natural. It's like my body's chemistry for whatever reason saying like all of a sudden trees hate you. Um, but you know what? Like I can do something about it that's relatively harmless. So why wouldn't I do it? Like I just well, don't. In this case, the even the, the worst part about this one though is that not only is it relatively harmless, it's actually like really protective and really helpful and preventive. Like think of even just the societal costs that we will say. We don't have women, you know, in and out of the ER and physical therapy for breaking their bones. Like, I mean, osteoporosis is on the rise uncontrollably essentially. And and a lot of it also has to do with the fact that we don't exercise enough. We don't eat well enough as a society. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of things that we do. So like also to focus on this one thing, that's actually the thing that's going to keep you feeling better and your health span longer. Like women actually gain three years, three good years on their lives by taking estrogen and starting early and never allowing yourself to get into an estrogen deprived state. And if you can do that, then I mean, your chances are much better. You have a 30% lower risk of colon cancer. You have a lower risk of heart disease. You have uh, all the evidence is is moving or is showing like a lot of the, the, you know, doctors aren't willing to make the, the actual claim that like taking estrogen will prevent Alzheimer's, but there have been enough headlines lately and plenty of science and data and evidence to show that that is the case, you know? So like, why wouldn't you take it? And even the, um, the, like a lot of doctors still say like, well, women should start taking it when they're symptomatic. But the problem is that you don't necessarily know, like your symptoms today are not your symptoms tomorrow. And they're waiting for the hot flashes and the night sweats and the mood sweat. And that's the only thing that they know. And again, that's what happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so literally what happened to me. So, and 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 Sue Dominus, the writer of the article, referenced a very similar um, experience that she had, where her doctor said, like, well, when you know we prescribe it for significant symptoms. So my surgeon at Sloan Kettering in in New York, who was like the you know head of surgery there, ovarian surgery, replied when I asked him, when I asked him, should I take hormones? And he said, yes, you should. You're really young. You need it for, you know, your bones, your brain, and your heart, but you'll still have some circulating estrogen in your body after the surgery. So when you think you need a prescription, just go get a prescription, basically like offhand, like just go ask your OB for it. So first of all, who the hell knows when you're like, I don't know. I didn't have enough. I didn't have hot flashes. So my symptoms basically were like, I didn't sleep through the night for six months. I gained a lot of weight. I am pretty sure I nearly got divorced. I mean, there was a whole long period that, you know, like who the hell knows when, but it was like, it was rough. It was really, we, we, it was like just hard going. We had two small children, like I don't know what to do. And so basically I allowed myself to get into the sort of real like crisis point. And I think, well, I know based on now having spoken to hundreds of women that we all do that. Like we don't, before we feel that we like deserve to be treated or that something is bad enough that we should take some sort of, you know, medication or pharmaceutical, like it's all been so poisoned for us, then, you know, it's pretty bad. And, and women are like really, really, really suffering out there. And then the relief is almost instantaneous. That's the amazing part also. Like, so not only does like the amazing thing about being in a steady estrogen, estrogenized state, which is what we all sort of are used to. I mean, we've all had estrogen since puberty. Like when you start menstruating, that's when you start, your ovaries start producing estrogen. That's why you're able to have a baby. And when you go into menopause, your, your ovaries stop producing estrogen. You can no longer get pregnant and, you know, and you go back to, and you go to like a non-estrogenated state. But we used to die at 51, which is the average age of menopause. Like the life expectancy wasn't, you know, 95 or whatever it is. I think it's in the eighties, but, you know, we all expect to, and hope to live pretty long. And we also hope to, and are expected to keep working, stay engaged, go traveling, you know, do Sudoku, like whatever the things are, have parties, go to parties, like all the things that we're, that we expect ourselves to do, you know, or maybe a lot of us need to keep working. Like you can't just decide to stop working at this age, especially when you have 40 or 50 years left to go. So, you know, it's really like, it's really an equity issue. It's really a choice issue. Like every time also people say like, well, the risks, okay, what are the risks? And let me decide if that risk is worth the benefits that I'm going to get also by doing this, both to my current quality of life and sanity, because it's really effective at solving the current symptoms, but also for my future health. Right. But that, I mean, that goes back to this whole like bad, you know, PR kind of smear campaign, which is everyone talks about you know, the risks of hormone therapy that tied back to like a couple of studies that were done by this very small cohort, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And somehow, and unfortunately, like (laughs) if you read the article, like Ann Curry and the Today Show kind of get like, you know, pointed at in terms of being largely responsible for this like really terrible sort of rumor mill that spread. But people started saying, no, if you take estrogen, that leads to breast cancer. 
and just made this immediate leap. And not only was it like consumers that started just buying into this, but doctors started buying into this because one little study and they're saying like residents, like hundreds of residents never even got like menopause on their curriculum. Even now, no, even now. But the problem was it was actually a giant study. It was a cost a billion dollars. And that is why it, it was so impactful. So, but actually this morning I listened to a podcast with Kelly Casperson. She's a, a urologist, I think in um, Seattle, she has a podcast called You Are Not Broken. And if you want to like know anything about hormones or MHT or vaginal estrogen, yeah, she's great. She's really great. She's fantastic. She has tons of great information, gives tons of great information. It's really, you know, she's just wise. And she was talking about why they actually sort of reported the study in this way. Because if you actually look at the data in that study and you understand how they set up the study, so basically they the fact that estrogen helps women, young, young healthy women stave off heart disease was like already a foregone conclusion. They had known that since the 40s. They were trying to see, the architects of this of this study were trying to see if you took women who were, um, who had not taken estrogen for, you know, many years since menopause and gave them estrogen hormone replacement therapy. So, but they, they, women who were, you know, at a greater risk already for cardiovascular disease, for osteoporosis, for, for, you know, stroke and blood clots and all the things, by nature of their age or by fact of their age and also that they hadn't been taking estrogen, they wanted to see if you gave women estrogen at a later age, would it actually um, you know, help them heal them at that point? And what they found is that, no, you need to, there's something called like a, the healthy cell hypothesis. And you basically need to keep the cells healthy. But if you allow the cells to age and get diseased, which is without the estrogen, then when you add estrogen back, it's sort of like, shakes some of these, you know, Alzheimer's plaques loose or cardiac plaques, you know, artery plaques loose. You see, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but like it does bad stuff the older you are, you know, or or worse stuff if you start taking later on. So basically the, you know, the theory is in this, and I'm not a doctor, but I have been doing this, researching this, you know, for the last three years, day in and day out. And I've been taking HRT for the last nine years, like, and will never stop taking it. Um, pardon, it stands for hormone replacement therapy. It's typically now called menopausal hormone treatment, actually, um, because you're not really replacing, you're just supplementing, actually, you're adding some back. You're not getting to a pre-menopausal level. So the key is to take it before. Right. The key is to take it, like, as long as you start taking it actually within the first 10 years of becoming menopausal, you're okay. So that's a long time also. Like if you're not feeling symptomatic and you don't feel like you need it, I mean, I would still take it, but the whole point is like everybody should choose what works for them, but you shouldn't be told not to take this, which is what 95% of women are being told. Right. You need to have all of the information and you need to actually get the information in order to make your own decision, which has not been something that has really been afforded us. Right. And the information should be actually told in a positive light. Like this is something that you can really do for yourself to maintain your overall wellness for a long time, as opposed to, you know, this is something that you really need to be fearful of, but if you insist, we'll give it to you and, you know, 
we'll right. give in and we'll allow you to take it because that also, you know, women are sort of still feeling shame, ashamed or like that they're, they need something, you know, a support that they shouldn't need. And maybe there's somehow less good as and a I result. And I imagine that people who are feeling strong. symptomatic earlier on in their years, they're, like you said, I mean, there's this shame and there's like also this idea of because of the misinformation out there, it's like, oh, well, it can't be that because I'm too young for that when the reality is the symptoms can start so much sooner and not present. I mean, you know, you guys, the alloy had this like slide that showed, you know, we associate maybe three symptoms in sort of the common conversation with menopause and there are like over 50 or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it all makes sense when you understand how estrogen works. So every single one of our cells has estrogen receptors in it, in your hair, in your eyes, in your skin, in your muscles, like your joints. And what estrogen does is it hydrates cells. It produces collagen. It also like interacts somehow gets your body to produce hyaluronic acid, which I think is also sort of what's hydrating the cells. Um, And it thickens the skin. So the dermal layer. So like when that's happened, I mean, there's a reason why hormones are sort of the chemical messengers that power our body. It's like the, you know, the gas essentially. And so there's, we have been used to having those receptors filled with the estrogen, right? And when the estrogen goes away, like it stands to reason that the cells are going to rebel or, or, or feel the loss. And that is what shows up as symptoms. And for every woman, it's a little bit different. Like, you know, some people have really debilitating hot flashes. Others have greater anxiety or whatever. Like it's always a constellation of things. And, but what's also funny is that we're so conditioned as women, I think to both, you know, just deny ourselves anything, any like courtesy and grace essentially. So like I was, I was talking to an old friend, someone I used to work with who turned out to be an alloy customer and we reconnected. And this is a great woman. She has a really wonderful marriage. Like she, I mean, I knew her like 18 years ago and, and she and her husband were just like this really cute couple. And she was the working mom and he stayed home and took care of the kids and all this stuff. And we were catching up and she was like, yeah, it's amazing. I'm like 53 or 54. And like, I just don't have any symptoms of perimenopause and I'm not in menopause yet. So I'm just, I'm not taking the hormones yet. I'm just taking the symbiotic because it's also important to keep your gut, you know, healthy and diverse. And I was like, huh, really? That's amazing. Cause you know, pretty much nobody gets out with no symptoms whatsoever. And she's like, well, I mean, we haven't slept in the same room for the last five years. Cause I'm so hot <laughs> at night <laughs> and I can't really sleep through the night. And I was like, okay, well, that's a really big symptom. And five years, you haven't slept in the same room. Like you love each other. I mean, you know, she's like, yeah, it's, I know it's really sad. I just, I miss him, but you know, it's just, it's too hot. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, it's funny. Cause you were talking before about just like, yeah, you know, one of the symptoms was like, I nearly got divorced. I mean, yeah. Irritability, crankiness, just general mood swings and, you know, giving zero fucks. It's, I, I always thought about just this, um, the seven-year itch uh, kind of correlation, like divorce basically happens typically around like when your kids are seven-ish, you know? Yeah. And it's because one theory is because they are finally old enough 
to kind of like handle themselves. Like it's not so physically labor intensive and you don't necessarily need two people. So that concept of divorce becomes a little bit more within reach and less frightening. Right. So a lot of people get end up getting divorced. But just hearing you say that now, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe the seven year itch is actually all having to do with menopause because yeah. most including itchiness. Yeah, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Possibly yeah. that age when they have children roughly that age. So yeah, I mean, and certainly depending on when you had your kids, like certainly around the time that kids go to college is another, you know, yeah. big time when I think also women are are men- perimenopausal or menopausal and are just sort of like, when is it going to be my time to actually <laughs> focus right here? Yeah. And, you know, and that's hard. Like we also, you know, if you're on Instagram, which we all are, of course, like you're constantly getting served messages, like, you know, you should do things for yourself and take care of your, your, you know, your wellness and your body and your diet and all. And like, honestly, it's all, all of these things are tools, right? Like, and, and so partially I think women have to get to the point where, and I struggle with this myself, like, you know, when, whenever I'm, I'm really trying to focus inward and actually do the right thing for me, then also people get mad at me because I'm not focusing enough on them or, you know, they're like, there's always some kind of repercussion for like being too inwardly focused, I think, right. as women. Um, so it's always a balance. But, um, but you know, the thing is like, we're not against meditation and exercise and diet and all the other parts of the puzzle. But what I think people need to start understanding and opening, being open to the concept of is that as you go into menopause, in order to really feel well and and sort of increase your health span, I use this term a lot for the next 20, 30, 40 years, like it's a lot of things. It's not just one thing, but lifestyle changes, diet changes, meditation, all that stuff will never bring your estrogen back. So like you can take estrogen and still do all those things, but if you do all those things without the estrogen, you are not going to ever be able to feel you know, like your joints will lose collagen and you will wake up creaky and stiff and, you know, all the yoga in the world is going to be helpful, but it's not going to ever do the trick without hormones. It just, it's not biologically possible. So I have a question, um, more of like a technical question. And then I do want to like, have you share a bit more about alloy and specific and what what you guys are doing. Cause there are all, all of these concepts are slightly different. Um, but just on a technical level, so we talked, we've talked about, you know, menopause and all of this laundry list of symptoms. And by the way, I love like the selective memory, like your friend, I asked my mom recently, cause I wanted to just get a little bit of context. And I was like, so do you remember like, what was, I know it was kind of around your early fifties, but like, what did you experience yourself? Because I, you know, whatever, it's like a whole other conversation, but I've had two years of like absolute insanity in terms of my cycle and all of this stuff. And she was like, yeah, no, it wasn't bad. I I don't really remember having, and I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. I mean, my mom is like a cranky bee on like a normal day. I'm like, there is no way that it didn't happen to you. You know, you kind of, you don't really associate these things. But my, my question is, based on like the experience that I've had and working with Dr. Men at Alloy, which has been amazing. So I'm not currently, um, you know, my symptoms are minimal and it's not any of like the big ones. It's, you know, it's more 
like the the depression and the anxiety and and sleeplessness and all of that. Um, but we're talking right now about only progesterone because essentially I'm menopause, uh, perimenopausal, not menopausal. But I guess I'm trying to, and I need to ask her this too, but like I'm trying to understand and reconcile because what you're saying is you're supposed to start with estrogen this far. Well, no, 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 no. So you're perimenopausal. You're still getting your period. You are still making estrogen. Like okay. you're, you know, and so what's probably happening and, and perimenopause is just a lot more complicated of a time even to treat. So I think you came to an event that we had recently and Dr. Men put up a slide that's on our Instagram and maybe you can put it in the show notes during that shows like your cycle at um, <laughs> pre-menopause, your cycle during perimenopause, and then when you don't, you know, when you're in menopause and, and you're like, you don't have, make estrogen anymore. So basically like, you know, pre-menopause, you get a monthly cycle. It's rather regular if you're, you know, sort of in quote unquote average woman. And, um, and that's what it's supposed to be at least. It kind of like in, this. Yeah. It's like a squiggly, like, you know, someone took a, a ball of yarn and like threw it up in a pile, but it's, it's crazy. So there's no way, I mean, there's really no way to test it. There's no way to make it regular. Like it just, unless you take birth control pills, which are, are basically are, are a form of hormone replacement therapy or menopausal, perimenopausal hormone treatment, essentially. And what the, what the birth control pills are, is a, it's a, it's a slightly different type of estrogen and it's at, in a dose, a very strong dose that will override the function of your ovaries. So it will basically replace your natural estrogen production, which will be during perimenopause up, down, in, out, like really unpredictable. And it will override that and give you a steady cycle so that you can have a monthly period or no period at all. And, um, but when you're in, when you're in menopause and you're not making any, it's actually much easier. You know, this, the doses are very standard and you can sort of treat your symptoms as you are. But when you're in, in perimenopause, like some people, some women don't want to take birth control. Um, they may have had a bad experience in the past, like, you know, so they, they don't, it doesn't suit them. Um, and so there are other ways to sort of like, balance off your estrogen, your sort of up and down estrogen production with the progesterone, which they, and they work together very well in concert. And typically progesterone is known as like the more calming hormone, whereas estrogen is the get up and go. Like it's, you know, good for your muscle recovery and sort of muscle function. Um, you know, so it's a more like energetic hormone, um, which is also why a lot of people take the progesterone at night, um, because it helps you sleep. Um, actually the North American menopause society even just put out a statement that, that a dose of 300 milligrams is a therapeutic dose for sleep. So you could literally take it for sleep, which is, I do that sometimes. Um, but just for context for people who don't know, because it's a little bit confusing, perimenopause starts at 35, right? That's like, well, perimenopause is like the 10 to 15 years prior to menopause. And so it's confusing because for every woman, it is a little bit different. Like some people go into premature menopause, some people, you know, like, but you can pretty much bet that like by 40, 42, most women are in, you know, starting to be in perimenopause. They may not be symptomatic, but like just based on their age, they're more or less, um, like we always say, like for women over 40, just to kind of create a bit of a bucket. 
But a lot of the things that start happening, like collagen loss starts in your 30s, in your skin, you know, it's not, it's, we're organic beings, right? So like things do change and, um, but you wouldn't start taking menopausal hormone, like, or let's say how you treat perimenopause and menopause really is individual based on kind of what your how badly it's affecting you, what your own personal sort of chemistry feels like and, you know, what form factor you prefer. So whether you you like taking pills, don't like taking pills, don't want to take two pills, only take one pill. Like there's a lot of choice actually. And so you have to kind of make the decision, you know, and this is where it's helpful to have information, to have options. And, and so that, so that's how we started Alloy. That's what I was going to say, like enter Alloy to actually offer the choices. Exactly. So when I went into menopause, it took me years and years really until starting Alloy to actually figure it out and feel comfortable and confident with the hormonal treatment regime that I was on. So in, you know, the first five years, I literally tried everything. I went to a million different doctors. I took pills. I used the patch. I had pellets inserted. I I mean, I literally, I had compounded hormones, generic hormones, branded hormones, every, I literally tried everything. Like I just, I couldn't feel confident or comfortable with what I was doing because no one was giving me the answers in a clear way that spelled out, you know, why there was this much confusion, what the pros and cons were of each thing, et cetera. And I thought like, there has to be a better way. I mean, they're just... (laughs) has to like, and so, and also it's super expensive. A lot of times, like, you know, there are a thousand certified practitioners, not all of them, you know, OBGYNs, not all of them, even doctors, some are pharmacists, some are PAs, some are nurse practitioners who are certified in menopause by the North American Menopause Society. And that's kind of like the, you know, the best gold standard that we have right now that, that will give us you know, sort of comfort that somebody at least has studied this time of life and has an interest in it and understands hormones and the interplay of hormones at menopause. But in any case, there are, let's call it a thousand doctors and there are 55 million women on average in menopause in the United States at any one time, 6,000 entering every day. And like, there just aren't enough practitioners to go around. So we really wanted to democratize access to this care and to make it available to all women in the United States, regardless of where they live or whether they have insurance or, you know, if they have um, access to a menopause trained practitioner, most likely they don't. Um, and so I, my, my partner, um, Anne Fullenweider, who at the time that I met her four years ago was the editor in chief of Mary Claire magazine, um, has really been in charge of like our content and, um, you know, trying to provide education for women in a way in a, and in a language that they can digest, understand, that makes sense, that doesn't feel scary, that, you know, sort of delivers it, delivers the pros and cons and the information from experts um, in, a, in an easy way. Um, so essentially we have like a big content component on our site, but really what we've done that I think is you know, we've tried to make this easy, convenient, inexpensive, and available to women to get medical advice for their menopausal symptoms and treatment, and also to get this, the solutions easily without making it another job, without having to show up at a computer screen, 
at a particular time to talk to a stranger about your deepest, darkest secrets. Um, and so all of our, um, our customers come to the site, take a medical intake, or sort of answer a bunch of questions that we've distilled down based on the North American Menopause Society protocol and guidelines for prescribing based on our doctors, you know, like 125 combined years of experience treating menopausal women. Um, you answer a few questions. It gets reviewed by one of these expert doctors on the back end. If they have questions, they will message you and we have a secure dashboard through which you can message back and forth with the doctor. Um, and if they think that you're a good candidate, which you know most women are, um, although we do have, you know, reasons why we why the doctors won't prescribe, um, then you know they'll send the prescription. It goes over to our pharmacy, and it's on its way to your door. So it's you know meant to be a pretty seamless and inexpensive way to get what you need. Um, and then for the duration of the prescription, which is one year, you get unlimited and free messaging back and forth with that doctor if you have questions. Um, and it's always the same doctor that's answering your questions as well. So um, you know you're not just getting passed around to different people who don't know your case, um, and who don't know the facts. Oh my God, I tried to do that with a general, um, practitioner, just whatever the practice was where it was like, Oh my God, one of their biggest selling points was like, you have all this access. You can just email them and they'll email you back. And there's this platform, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like every time I would have a conversation about my ailment, whatever it was, it was like being passed off to like a new doctor each time like constantly re-explain and start from ground zero. I mean, start from the beginning. It was just like, what a nightmare. So kudos on question about the, like, well, two questions. What are some of the typical contraindications? Um, and then the second question, it like reasons as to why one might just be disqualified. Like, you know, it's not a good idea for you. Um, the other is what is like the typical length of time that you're taking hormone therapy, right? This isn't, this isn't meant to take, you know, for the rest of your life, correct? It is. It is. No, it is. Yeah, it certainly can be. I will take it for the rest of my life because as soon as you stop taking it, you go into this non-estrogen state where your cells become dehydrated, your collagen, you know, you stop producing the collagen. Like it's all, all of those cell functions are based on having estrogen in the estrogen receptors. So if you don't have the estrogen there, then you know you may not feel the symptoms or you may decide like <laughs> i only have vaginal symptoms even if i stop taking it i'm 85 years old i'm just going to use vaginal estrogen but like most 85 year olds that i know who have been taking hrt or mht you know <laughs> for the last 30 years are like like my friend's mom who just traveled by herself to oman and rides her bike around new york city and is still you know working as a broker in Soho and like, you know, she, yeah, she's amazing. So like, if you don't want to really feel like your body has aged, yeah, then you keep taking it. And there's no, there's no, there's no risk to it. There's no additional risk. There's no, like, actually you're, do, you're, you're keeping your body in better condition by taking it. And so what are the contraindications? It's a complicated question, actually, because first of all, what we're typically told is you can't take it without being told like, well, 
given these things, you know, here's the potential chance of what could happen. But also if you take it, you're going to avoid osteoporosis, heart disease, and dementia, for example, you know, like you're not given both sides. You're just told, no, you can't take it. So that it most particularly that's happened to the sort of breast cancer community. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of research and data and information and fighting on behalf of, or sort of by oncologists, like this one amazing Dr. Avram Blooming, who's in California, who is a breast oncologist, his wife and his daughter both had breast cancer and they both have taken estrogen after breast cancer, like to great effect because it taking estrogen after having breast cancer actually doesn't increase your mortality and it doesn't increase from breast cancer and it doesn't even in a recurrence and it, and it's unclear that it causes a recurrence as well. So, I mean, but it's, for us, like in telehealth, it's sort of a, a step too far. It's a conversation that we don't have the resources right now to engage in, but like things will change and women will be taking estrogen after breast cancer within the next 10 years, like for sure, which is great. And they should, um, because, you know, again, like just taking things off the table entirely is not better for women right? Like giving women an option to choose what their priorities are and what their, I mean, I've spoken to women, you know, who are like, I've had cancer and no one will prescribe to me, but I like, I can't have sex. My marriage is falling apart. My, you know, I'm breaking my bones and all this stuff. Like I would rather get cancer again than live this life. Like I'd rather die than live this life. So can you, can I at least feel better? And I'll take my chances on the cancer. Like that's a totally rational decision to be able to make, but it's generally taken out of our hands and, you know, which is infuriating and kind of, as you can hear, really gets me going. It but, is. And it doesn't even seem to matter. Like, you know, I had the conversation with my gynecologist this year. I only started seeing her because I was having such crazy issues with my cycle. And like, I mean, my, I was like bleeding so heavily. It was, you know, disrupting my entire life. And so we investigated this procedure that no one had ever told me about called uterine ablation, which is miracle, but no one ever bothered to say like, Hey, you might want to think about this. And I asked her, I was like, why has this never been presented as an option? She's like, well, we just want to make sure that people are definitely not, you know, that are definitely done having kids or not interested. I'm like, how is that? How is that the criteria here? But then after that, so I did that and it was successful in terms of like, I barely bleed at this point, which is amazing. And that has changed my life, but it doesn't impact the hormonal, you know, the hormone changes. So I went back to her and I said, okay, well, so I'm still having these types of symptoms, you know, with mood and anxiety and sleep and whatever. Can we talk about, you know, a hormone option? She's like, no, you're not ready for it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Like you're a woman and you're pretty young woman and you see a lot of young women, how has this conversation not progressed in some way? And I think because there's- Because in medical factor. school, yeah, it's because in medical school, they're literally still taught to this day, taking estrogen will give you breast cancer. Doesn't matter that there's been like decades and and particularly 20 years of research since this, since this WHI study came out, you know, and and like even in the study- the risk of getting breast cancer from taking estrogen was 30% lower if you took it estrogen if you took estrogen alone like they've they've now highlighted the fact or narrowed down the fact that it was the synthetic progestin that like it was four additional cases in a thousand 
it wasn't statistically significant at the time. Like the whole thing was just misreported. And and in Dr. Casperson's podcast that I was listening to this morning, she said that um, that the the architects of the study or some like people within the study had felt that 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 estrogen was getting prescribed too much and for the wrong reasons. So it was actually being marketed to men, to husbands, for keeping your your women, your wives happy <laughs> and looking good. And able and and able to have sex, like so. You know, there were there were people who didn't like that direction, and so we're basically trying to like stop this flow of of prescriptions. I mean, it's stupid and ridiculous, and back to the patriarchy. Like, it, I mean, it's it's an outrage, and we're so far away from it. It's what is prescribed today is not even what was in that study. Like, let's move on. We we have the information. And so, and in terms of who also doesn't get prescribed, um, it's because of all of the toxicity around it. If you ha- don't have a current mammogram, you, you know, we can't, the do- just to protect the doctors and their liability based on sort of the society that we live in. Um, we are, I, th- I think it's live, but we'll, we, we have a way that we can give you a one three month fill, and but then you have to have had a mammogram in the meantime. So that because what we want to make sure is that somebody doesn't have a current breast cancer already growing, and that you know they need to have treated, checked, treated, et cetera. Like you don't want to give any fuel to the fire, or for people to think that you're giving fuel to the fire. So that part is unclear. Like if you have, I mean, there there have there was at a certain point in time, um a treatment for breast cancer that was estrogen. Like you gave high doses of estrogen to actually make breast cancer go away. So, you know, it's just that the research hasn't been done. And, 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 and back to also like what we're doing. So we really want to make not only access to HRT more, you know, easier and more accessible for women, but like all the things, there are plenty of things that, that are out there for us that are, that are safe, that are effective, that really work, and that um, you know that like we're just not really being offered in any coherent way. So, along with systemic um, hormones, it's vaginal estrogen is also really important. It's like in the UK, they're basically saying it's essential skincare for anyone over forty, and um, and it's not even prescription any longer. So, like you can buy it OTC. I think if you're fifty and up in the UK, you can buy vaginal estrogen and it's vaginal estrogen is available OTC for women over 50 in the UK. Yeah. Um, uh, what is, can you talk about vaginal estrogen a little bit, just specifically yeah. and how you take it, what it does, what it, mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. So basically, as I was saying, there are estrogen receptors in, you know, every part of your body and your, your skin being the largest organ of your body is filled with estrogen receptors. So um, when you're, when you lose estrogen, your skin overall gets drier, which is, you know, where the expression, like she's all dried up comes from. It's true. And, um, the skin in, in your vaginal canal and your bladder is estrogen is very, very estrogen dependent and sensitive. So, um, that is why also what a lot of menopausal women are wearing depends or, um, other, you know, pessaries and things to, because we're 80% of women have vaginal symptoms or that can include incontinence. It also can include, 
you know, dryness, itching, burning, tearing, frequent UTIs is a big thing because without the estrogen, your, your skin there is drier, it's thinner, and it's less elastic. And so when you add vag, um, estrogen vaginally and topically, it, it doesn't go into your bloodstream. It just treats the skin and it has been shown, you know, time and time again to be completely safe. It, it doesn't, as I said, doesn't enter your bloodstream, but it just like, it hydrates the cells. It, it gets the skin to produce collagen again and, um, and it thickens the skin down there. So it like, you know, makes natural lubrication possible, which wasn't, which makes sex better, which helps relationships. Like there's a huge carry on effect with vaginal estrogen. That's important. And it also really cures incontinence, which I know firsthand. And then it was so effective curing my incontinence, which I got by accidentally taking half my dose, just random accident, but taking half a milligram instead of a milligram for three months. And I started peeing like in my shoes um, which is pretty awful. And I, yeah. And I start and having all like, you know, the sort of vaginal dryness and stuff, like really big discomfort. And within like days, all the discomfort went away. Skin felt better. Lubrication came back, stopped peeing in my pants, you know, all this stuff. And I thought like, if I, if that, if it works like this on my vagina, what would it do to my face? And I started using it on my face. And that is like the product that I'm actually the most excited about because it's like, it's as safe as all the things I just told you about vaginal estrogen. It's not systemic. It produces collagen. It, you know, makes your skin healthy, elastic, thicker. And that is literally what happens when you put it on the skin on your face. And so we reformulated, like we use the same um, strength essentially. And we, we actually used a weaker form of estrogen called estriol. Um, which is in in some other countries, like in Europe, they use it for the, their vaginal estrogen cream. Um, but we made a we reformulated it into a face cream, and it's like amazing. So I'm on you know, day we're 10. can't you tell? Yeah, you can your skin looks great? <laughs> How do you like it? I love it. I mean, I'm I I love the face cream. I yesterday I will say, and I I I took a picture of day one just so I could kind of monitor and. Yesterday, for like a quick second, I was I was in a mirror that I see all the time, and just for like a flash, I was like, "Huh, something looks a little something. I don't know what, and could be anything." But you felt like, like you were looking pretty good. I yeah, felt like something. Like, like keeping this a secret the whole time, writer. Well, I wanted to have this, I wanted to have this conversation. <laughs> it is brighter, you know. Like a lot of people say, like the pregnancy glow. You're getting the pregnancy glow, Erica. <laughs> because estriol is actually a pregnancy hormone is the, like the is the estrogen estriol is the estrogen that sort of goes like gets produced in greater quantities during pregnancy and when women's skin gets better and looks glowy and sort of fresh like that's the effect essentially of this face cream well that's what i thought um, i saw and i'm on day 10 yeah. of the progesterone and the sleep is definitely improved already i mean knock on wood cuz sleep is like my number one like white whale um, and I do want to share the testimonial that I told you I was going to share from a friend who was like already in menopause and really miserable and at the end of her rope for so long. And I, it was like right when the last article in the Times, like the sort of culture piece came out in December and I sent it to her and I was like, you should check this out. 
she started immediately. And now all she wants to talk about is how good she feels. And it's like, <laughs> this is literally all she wants to talk about. And I was like, give me your testimonial. And she says, basically in a nutshell, I feel like myself again, heaviness, mood swings, totally gone. I feel level, no more hot flashes. Everything seems manageable and not overwhelming. And I'm less of a see you next Tuesday. <laughs> that's amazing. That's great. I mean, that's the goal. Like it's, you know, you should be able to just feel okay and get on with your life. That's that's what that's what I do. That's what I'm hoping for everybody else. And like it doesn't need to be loaded with so much politics or whatever it is. You know, like it's just like if it I I mean, I was glad that in the article she did make this comparison. And when we launched Alloy, we did a we um we did a video, I don't know if you remember it, of where we we've faked like all these men and they, we, they thought they were going to an audition and we put them in a, in a waiting room and like, they thought they were going to an audition for a commercial and we put them in a waiting room and cranked up the heat and, and basically like simulated hot flashes and, you know, made this whole video about like what would happen if men had hot flashes, like this would have been figured out a long time ago. And it's fucking true. Like time's up though. Gen X is here. We have the information. We have the technology. We have the ability to have, you know, bias-free healthcare. And that's what we're doing. And um, and it works. And, you know, it's fantastic that the New York Times opened up the conversation in a different way. We've really been hoping for that, working on that, trying to get people talking about it. And the nice part is, you know, we are. So it's so nice to have this conversation and be able to tell my story. And there's so much to talk about. We could do like a thousand of these conversations and we would never get through it, but it's fun. God, well, I suddenly feel very excited about this next chapter of life. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem all that scary anymore. Uh, It seems slightly more empowering with these types of my um, disposal. So you are truly doing God's work. I believe that's great. I'm glad that you feel that way, actually, because it really you shouldn't like we should be going into this phase thinking like, fuck, yeah, you know, like kids aren't at home. If you have kids at a certain point, you know, you can do your thing. You could do your work. You can go whatever. What live your own life. Like, finally. Well, finally, <laughs> I only have like 10 years. Well, thank you so much, Monica. We're going to send everyone to myalloy.com, which is just thank the you. URL for Alloy. And uh, yeah, check out some check out some genie cream that you put on your face. <laughs> oh yeah, that, don't forget about the topical Viagra. We also just launched that. We're calling it Amazing. So this is something that's been available for men for 25 years. And the only reason why it hasn't been available for women in an even safer form, the topical, it's like you use it, it lasts, you know, for a couple hours and you're done. Is that nobody cares? Nobody thought that like women's sexual pleasure, feeling, anything was worth talking about. And so infuriating. It's just like fucking incredible. And one of the quotes from the this article again, just to constantly reference it because it was so damn good, but like. You know, it all just signals that culturally we have like an insanely high tolerance for women's suffering, right? Yeah. Like that's just that is the truth. It was stated in, you know, not in those exact words, but I was like, oof, that is so exactly what this is. 
Yeah, we did an interview with a woman last year on medical misogyny. She wrote a book on it. Um, and it's it's real. It's really sad, but it's real. And so thankfully, there are so many more people like you that are using their platforms and their voices to, you know, encourage this conversation and remove the shame and all of that. So, but yeah, it's, that's the sad, sad reality. And we got to do something about it, ladies. We're going to start with our Jennies. Basically, <laughs> taking the Jennies to the streets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I and, never in a million years thought that I would be talking about like clitorises at work. Because <laughs> yeah, you used to make tahini. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. All right. Well, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much, Monica. Good luck with everything and congratulations. And thank you for all of it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Give us a couple of stars. Give us five whole stars. They don't cost you anything. And you can find out more information on our website at htwpodcast.com. And you can follow us on social at Earth and Star, which is at Earth and Star Co. Thanks so much. <laughs>